Welcome to the Emotioneering Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, the founder and CEO of the Modern Mind Group. We are emotioneering human performance, not engineering it. In season one, we talked about emotioneering the modern mindset and really about those people skills and the expression and the communication. In season two that we're in now, we're going to have topics center around everything to do with emotioneering business results. And that's going to cover creating great places to work, increasing profits, human capital, the people, getting record-breaking results, and world-class employee engagement. I'm going to be interviewing guests that I know are absolute experts in this area, and we'll be able to share their knowledge, share their learnings on the journey with you and myself. And I'm really looking forward to getting in to all things emotioneering with them. Remember to subscribe to YouTube, to the Facebook page, to Instagram, LinkedIn, and of course, you can go to the website, modernmindgroup.co.uk, and you'll get our monthly newsletter there. Enjoy the show. On this episode, we're going to be talking about coaching your team. Why should we be coaching? How do we coach? Are we coaching when maybe we think we are, but actually we could be doing a lot better? or our understanding of what coaching is uh, may be completely off. So why did I want to talk about this topic? Because coaching really does get the best out of your people. It's about them really unlocking their potential to move forward and implement the things that they've actually learned within a classroom setting, when they've been going through an induction process. So coaching helps them moving forward in their life, within their work and within their role, uh, but also can be, of course, blended with their own individual goals and purpose uh, within their lives, their motivations, but also the business objectives as well. Listen to this statistic, okay, as we sort of move into this uh, topic a little bit more. 74% of managers believe they are coaching versus only 17% of employees believe they are being coached. So that tells us that there is a misconception between what coaching actually is within the workplace. The thing is, it is going to get about the best results. Um, It isn't just about your people turning up and you telling them what to do and directing them and do this, do that, and, and being a very directive Uh, leader. Of course, there's time for direction and there's time to explain and train. It's more about how do they improve those, that continuous improvement to help somebody reach the next step. So if we believe that we're coaching and employees don't believe that we're coaching, what is it that's actually missing from this particular style or the way that we may be actually doing it? So this particular podcast is for anybody that has a team Okay, anyone that has a team or has to help somebody else grow and develop ultimately. Okay, what are the typical problems? Let's let's go into that first. What are the typical problems that arise when coaching teams? Uh, Here's the first thing that I see as as a performance consultant. The first thing that I see when I work with teams of people and leadership teams is that I see people only telling people what to improve on. Because, like I said, it is about helping somebody improve, but then we're only focused on that. It's just critical feedback. It's just the constructive feedback. There is no positives 
and they get skipped. And, and often that's because of our negative bias in our minds. We'll focus on the thing that needs to be improved first. It, it happens to all of us. The first thing that will come out of my mouth often, though, is a positive um, statement and something that has gone great. It takes a little bit of patience. It takes the ability to pause and to respond versus react because your brain, like I said, will tell you through negative bias what has to improve first. It, it naturally will. If I was to put up a, a bronze medal for the Olympics in front of you as an example, and I asked you, what is the first thing that you think of? The first thing often people think of is, well, it's not gold. Right. At the same time, pause. Let's appreciate what it takes to even get to a podium in the Olympics, uh, what they would have to have gone through to get to even that level. And that's the difference between pausing and really focusing on the positives as opposed to just saying, well, it wasn't good enough. Right. Uh, and here's all the reasons why and what you need to improve on. So that, that can be a, a big thing. OK, the lack of relationship focused in coaching. There is an amazing coach out there called Dean Boxall. I suggest you go and check him out. He is the Australian, the Australian swim coach that helped Ariana Titmus get to gold in the Tokyo Olympics. When you watch his style and the way that he approaches what he does with his team, it is all about that relationship focus. He really breaks it down. He makes it relatable. He really understands them as individuals. And when you watch their connection between Ariana and Dean Boxall, you can go, go straight to YouTube and check it out. You will be able to see the connection between the two. There's a lot of love there. There's a lot of compassion. There's a lot of engagement because they genuinely have an amazing relationship. So a lack of relationship focus can definitely hinder and cause a pitfall in a coaching relationship. Uh, John C. Maxwell says it best. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You cannot attempt to coach somebody or to give them direction, advice and guidance uh, if they don't feel like they can trust you and there is no relationship there, first and foremost. The other area is, when we give critical feedback or this constructive feedback that we feel that we are, often it can feel like you've just gone and poked somebody in the eye uh, versus, you know, being able to be a little bit more diplomatic in the way that you approach the feedback and ensure that it feels um, and lands in a way to that person that is supportive and encouraging and reassuring as opposed to fear evoking and um you know really kind of leaving them to feel like they have to withdraw so being too direct uh will feel like a poke in the eye and, and I always say this because it I could go extremely slowly and touch your whole eyeball without you even realizing very much or I could go extremely fast poke you in the eye that's going to hit for a while afterwards so remember a little bit slower and considered with the response and the way, think about the way that you want to word something, take that little bit of time before you deliver the feedback and it will land in a much better way. If you aren't allowing your time for, for the coaching, for the situation, then you are going to end up giving them feedback that is not going to land very well. I can assure you of that. Uh, no follow-up. Okay, so something else that can happen uh, as a manager and leader when you're attempting to coach somebody else is that there's no no follow up. 
that uh, you co- you you help them to set their goals. So you kind of say, right, okay, what is it that you want to work towards this month? This is where you've kind of got to. What are your thoughts? What are your plans? And you know, what do you want to do? So eventually, you I would hope that together. Uh, with the person and the employee that you're working with that they would come up with what I want to achieve this by this date and this is how I'm going to do it well then when we talk to them again if there's no follow-up to that whether they achieved it or not then there isn't that uh, accountability with the relationship to help move it forward so they're going to feel like you don't take it seriously the coaching relationship seriously and that is how it is definitely going to come across And yes, it's at times it's going to be awkward to pick up on the fact that the things that they committed to do, they didn't do. That's where the magic happens, though. I can assure you of that. I remember turning up to one of my coaching sessions uh, with a gentleman called Taryn. And I got there and I told him I was going to write this book, the book that is going to be out very, very soon, actually in February 2022. But I remember saying to him, I'm going to do it within two weeks now. I am a lover of a big, fat, aspirational goal. And he went, amazing, and encouraged me and supported me. However, if he didn't bring that back up the next time I spoke to him and say, what was it that stood in your way? Why have you ended up not prioritizing it to get it done? Then what would have ended up happening is that you would not be having the book (laughs) I'm releasing next month to be able to read uh, Emotioneer in Business Results is on its way, guys. It is coming. Uh, But, you know, that follow-up is absolutely crucial to it. A lack of trust, not competent and not congruent. So if a leader lacks the ability to trust somebody, they've, uh, for example, they've committed to coaching them or committed to doing something and they've in no way supported them since the last coaching session to now and they've, they've broken their promises, there's going to be a lack of trust. Uh, If your relationship is broken down, I talked about relationship earlier, there's going to be a lack of trust. If you are not congruent, okay, and and, and congruence is really about your words, your thoughts and your actions being aligned, okay? The way that you come across to somebody helps them really feel like it's authentic, it's genuine. Uh, The subtitles match the movie, I should say, and what is going on in real life and what they can see, So if that isn't there, if you are saying one thing and doing something else, for example, you might be leading other managers and those other managers have to give feedback to their team. And you're maybe recommending some of the things that I'm talking about in this podcast. So you say to them, we want you to focus on the positives first. But when you give them feedback or they see you give other people feedback, you don't do that or don't take the time to do it then you're going to lose that respect. You're going to lose the congruency that comes with being a great coach because you embody the things that you're talking about. Um, can you, you know, really live by, live by the sword that you are swinging? That is the point. And then another part, as a coach, only focusing on the underperformers. So when you're focusing on underperformers of course that is going to lift the bar it's going to help them it's going to feel supportive the challenge is though your recognition driven high performers and middle performers are now not being tended to whilst yes they they do have a, a way to go 
you have to kind of give the coaching fairness across the whole of the team. It would be like me turning up to volleyball, right? After playing for, for Swansea for quite a few years now, and the attention of the coach is only going to the newer players. Uh, I'll give you actually an example from last night's volleyball coaching session. Uh, Scott, who coaches this, is absolutely fantastic. And I said to him, well, knowing we've got a game next week, I said to him, you know what, Scott? I was like, really need some help. It's all well and good doing this, uh, you know, the, the running forward and backwards. My situation and where I feel I have an opportunity to improve is left, right. My, my agility to be able to run to the left or right when I know that ball is being spiked and I have to cover the back line. And he said, OK, great, we'll, we'll run a drill on that. So he worked with myself and my partner, Maria. Maria, you're an absolute star. Um, he worked with me and Maria first, but then said, hey, guys, I, I really got to go. I'm going to ask somebody else to step in on this um, because I want to make sure that I'm spending equal time with everybody else in the team. Woo! Well done, Scott, uh, because that is an amazing leadership quality. OK, so remember, it is about fairly distributing your time as well. If someone is a little bit underperforming, you could spend a little bit longer with them. But ensuring that everybody does get to have some time with you is absolutely vitally important. OK, so those are some of the pitfalls that can definitely come up um, when it comes to coaching, training, uh, all of these aspects where we're helping somebody to learn and to grasp something. I talked about patience and having the ability to pause and then respond earlier. Only 25 percent of what you say is retained within the first hour following a coaching session, a training session, a classroom session, uh, gosh, a, a webinar, a sermon, whatever you may be part of, only 25%, because that is often the average person's listening ability. Learning must have meaning to that person. So then it's about putting it into practice. It's about then, you know, really cultivating uh, the, the soil that the seeds have been planted in for that person to, to reach where they need to go. Often as leaders, we can get quite frustrated with, well, I've told you this many times or I've said it once when actually they may not remember. We remember saying it because it means a lot to us, but they don't actually remember it in the way that you said it. Uh, have you ever listened to motivational speakers or seen them deliver uh, the same keynote speech or you've gone back to watch the same video on YouTube, for example, and, and you've continued to watch it? And you remember different parts of it every single time and things that land with you. And some of them, you just remember them and you say, oh, that's great. I love listening to that because it fills your belief. Maybe you don't learn something new, but it means that it goes into your long term memory and you can recall it at another time. So as leaders, be mindful of the fact that you could end up being impatient because you don't want to repeat yourself when actually it's necessary to do so. And maybe bring in a different story or a different analogy or a different approach uh, to, to what you do. So it is about having that resilience with the way that you coach as well. OK, what is coaching versus, versus mentoring? Well, a coach really helps someone to, to bring the answers and the solutions from from within. Right. You, you're not saying you are going to do this. You might make suggestions. You might make recommendations. But ultimately, it has to be that person's, um, you know, understanding of what their actions and skills and, and, and all of the tasks and the things that they're going to do. And they're committing to that. They're talking about what they want to achieve. You can't do that for them. You can, Like I said, you can guide, you can make a suggestion, you can make a recommendation. 
but saying you must do this to get to this that's that is much more mentoring and training or teaching as opposed to the coaching process now I'm a firm believer that when it comes to the workplace sports coaching workplace coaching life coaching there's kind of some blurred lines uh, across the two uh, across all three I believe that actually it's about knowing when to do those individual things with your employee with your team member knowing which way to approach that through knowing the relationship because yes people with less experience may need a little bit more guidance someone that has maybe been a senior uh, leader within the business may not need as much guidance but actually uh, wants the accountability wants to have an open discussion about their development so it, it really depends on the person that is in front of you, the style that you will use. But it is about allowing them to believe that it's possible, encouraging and supporting them to get to where they want to be so that they can take those actions. OK, so so often a mentor is somebody that's walked in the path that you have walked in. And I agree, as a leader, often we have been where the person in our team is right now. We can share stories with them. We can guide them. But saying to them, do this, like, remember, it's their journey, right? And they're going to learn certain lessons. You can share a story. You can, you know, plant some seeds. But they're going to learn lessons along the way as they go as well. And like I said, they might not listen the first time or they might not take it in. But then they'll come back to the next session with you and say, oh, my gosh, I really reflected on that. This is what happened. Uh, so allowing them to to, to share uh, and to have that journey for themselves. Not everybody is going to grow at exactly the same time, right? Bamboo shoots take way longer to come out of the ground or even show that they've been growing because they've been growing underground for a long time before they start to come through the surface. Whereas a daffodil, we know, is going to, and yes, I'm a Welsh lady talking about daffodils, uh, is going to spring up, <laughs> spring up in the springtime. And in March, we can pretty much guarantee it. We know how long that takes and uh, that it is going to be there. So different people will grow and blossom at different times. The aim overall, and, and I'll get a little bit more technical here in terms of the learning and why we spend this time with people, we're aiming to close perception gaps, okay? There are four main perception gaps. Uh, the perception gap of I am flipping amazing. I don't need any more support. Don't need anyone's help. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. That is someone that has the perception gap of being, uh, they believe that they're actually achieving and they are better than they actually are in that particular moment. Uh, you've then got people that underestimate. So those are overestimating their abilities. And then you've got other people in, in the team that underestimate their abilities. And this happens quite a lot uh, because they don't they don't maybe see that they haven't seen the wider world. They maybe haven't worked in many other companies before to, to understand the benchmarks of different types of performance. Uh, they may also have very low self-belief. So they, they don't realize and actually they ha haven't got to the point where they can, you know, a little bit of self-validation and pat themselves on the back for, for a job well done. They're maybe not aware of their strengths yet. So we've got the overestimated uh, uh, abilities. We've got underestimated abilities. Then we've got another two uh, perception gaps, which are quite interesting. Uh, the next two can be a little bit more challenging. At the same time, you 
as you develop your skills as a coach, as a leader, as a trainer, as a mentor, all of these things, you will start to adapt different ways uh, to approach these different scenarios. And these other two are the first one is overestimates coach ability says, yes, I want to be coached. I want you to help me but actually never implement what they say they're going to do. Or they'll come out with, yes, but I know, but like there's an excuse for everything. They want to be able to do it, but they just aren't at that point where they can realize that it is in their power and that they have, um, you know, an internal locus of control. Whereas at the moment they have an external locus of control. They're probably blaming everything else as to why they weren't able to do that thing. So they could be overestimating at coachability. And then the fourth one is that they underestimate their ability to change and adapt And this is what we call a fixed mindset. Someone that is, I am what I am. I'm not going to change now. Nobody really cares about me here. And what what does it even make a difference for? These types of employees are a challenge. Yes, there may have been damage along the way, way before this coaching process. Often there's an opportunity for a new leader to come in and to maybe change the dynamic, change the culture and help to bring that person on the bus and, and help them to realize that they do have the potential to grow. There are many times as well where this person won't necessarily progress and it is just about keeping them happy and fulfilled in, in what they actually do. There are, like I said, many different techniques that you can use and and many approaches uh, to these four different scenarios. But you're looking to close those. Uh, For example, if you believe that somebody's absolutely fantastic at writing articles for your business and they don't believe that they're actually uh, any good, the idea is, is that you kind of balance that out. You say to them, well, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how great do you feel that you are in this particular area? They may say, uh, oh, I'm like a five out of 10. And you're like, you're actually smashing it. You are an eight out of 10 on this, you know, and, and helping them to understand their, their place in the world, their place in the business and, and what value that they bring. So closing those performance gaps, uh, closing those perception gaps. The other thing that can happen, and it's because of the Dunning-Kruger effect, is that the Dunning-Kruger effect talks about how we think about doing something new or we think we know it pretty well. And then actually when we're tested or when we attempt to do it, we go, oh, wow, there's actually loads that I need to know about this. Um, maybe I need to go back to my study. Maybe I need to go back to my notes. Ah, I thought that uh, that I had this nailed. Um, that is the Dunning-Kruger effect. And it, it happens uh, It happens to many of us. It happens a lot. Like I remember looking at paddleboarding for, for an example. I love it. It's one of my, my favorite hobbies. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I can jump on that board and I am going to be able to stand up. I'm going to be, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be fine. And of course, when we attempted it, how many times did I fall off into the sea? There's a lot more to learn. It looks super easy, but it is actually a skill and a craft uh, that is definitely one to master. And uh, my brother is a coach in paddleboarding. He is a fantastic trainer and uh, he absolutely whips about the sea, even when there's waves. I'm like, how does he do this stuff? Uh, so, yeah. So remember that the Dunning-Kruger effect happens, too. Uh, you may be listening to this podcast and thinking, yeah, I know loads about coaching, actually. I am an amazing coach. And actually, when you sit back and you think about some of the things I'm saying, you're going, oh, hang on. 
actually hadn't considered that particular aspect. And it's about staying open. It's about staying new to new concepts and then growing uh, through those as well. So how often can we be coaching? Well, my suggestion would be to spend time with your team um, with a coaching kind of culture at least once a week. Right. At least once a week, you've got your goal setting that you may be doing or your performance reviews um, once a month. You may be having some other kind of halfway uh, catch ups with the team. But coaching, if you can spend at least, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be very long. Uh, but if there is some element of coaching at least once a week with your team, you're spending time with them, you're talking about how they're approaching their goals and how they're moving forward, uh, then that can really um, start to uplift. It can be part of your observations that you may do when you're spending time with the team as well. But if there's an opportunity to coach, there's an opportunity to talk to someone about what their plans are, how they're feeling about things, then then, uh, that would be my suggestion. If, If you work in a remote team maybe or you have a large team then at least once a month uh, so that there is some consistent periodic follow-up so here's some best practice for you in how to approach it and I mean it's a little bit of the reverse of what the pitfalls are but stay with me let's like I said sometimes putting things in a different way can really uh, help you to go yeah that is absolutely what I am going to do okay number one know your team absolutely know them build those great relationships secondly know what motivates them what are they motivated by do they want to buy a supercar do they want to go to the santa france on holiday do they want to go to mauritius um do they want to be able to get married buy a house what what is it what do they want in their life do they just want to do an amazing exceptional job and be remembered uh, for what they do maybe that is it uh what is their intention right um Ensure you believe and you are competent in the way that you approach your team and you believe that they can achieve better. And and you believe in your abilities as a leader to be able to help and support them. And think, what is my intention? What is my intention here? Is my intention to get something done because I know I need to coach? Or is my intention to actually help this person grow and develop and to spend the time with them that I know is absolutely valuable uh, to their overall development. 70% encouragement and positive feedback versus 30%. Uh, There was a study that was actually done by Gallup. Um, Oh, no, it was not Gallup. It was the Harvard uh, Business Review. I do apologize. Uh, The Harvard Business Review. And in that, they found that the most positive and um, productive workplaces had a ratio of five to one. Uh, So I'm kind of saying seven to three, five to one, similar areas, um, but it it is important that 70% is encouraging and supportive, not just thinking it, saying it, uh, before you actually approach any opportunities uh, for people to improve. Think about how you approach what you do and deliver it do you have a framework uh, to giving people feedback to opening up the coaching opportunities are there certain questions and a framework that you can follow and have you created that so ask yourself that uh, and these these uh, pieces of advice that I'm giving you here are from 
the way that I actually do this. This is not me. Again, this isn't about the theory. This is about the practical application. I've delivered over 1,000 in-person workshops and I've delivered over 15,000 hours of coaching from frontline employees all the way up to executive level. The art is also to coach others sometimes when they don't necessarily realize that they're being coached. And that is a very influential leader and someone that can definitely inspire generations. Uh, You can learn a lot of this through situational coaching and leadership, uh, looking at, well, what is the scenario? Give me a scenario. For example, how do I coach somebody who wants my job? How do I coach someone who's really gunning to to take my job as a leader? How do I coach that person? Sometimes that can be quite intimidating. I'm not going to answer that particular question on this. But if you think about all the different scenarios that have come up that have maybe challenged you or have maybe caused a a bit of an emotional trigger point, like, you know, this is the Emotioneering podcast. These things, often we, we, when we don't know enough, uh, we shy away from them or we feel uncomfortable about them or ask somebody else to step in and do it for us. So think about those different scenarios. Of course, uh, if you want to also contact me and you want to ask me questions, I'm very welcome uh, to deliver some feedback on that. Effective coaching. Let me give you the stats. Let me give you the facts and the stats before you go, Okay. Effective coaching. Gartner actually looked at um, the, a study around effective coaching. And they found that employees were 40 percent more engaged and give 38 percent more discretionary effort and 20 percent more likely to stay when a leader is an effective coach and they feel like they're being developed in the workplace. So. If that is enough of a reason for you to get started, then absolutely go for it. But remember, fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision and confidence is an absolute outcome. That emotioneering triangle with fear at the top, courage to the right and then confidence to the left. You as a coach, as a leader, spend a lot of time between the fear and the courage to encourage, support, reassure, be there, be there time and time again. And eventually that person that you're working with will make those decisions, will take that action to tip from courage over towards confidence. And then they'll start telling everybody else about the success story that they have had by implementing something or taking action on something. And they will feel amazing. So spend your time there. Re- reassure, encourage and support people and absolutely believe in their potential. Thanks for listening to the Emotioneering podcast with me, Melissa Curran today. It's been great. Remember to subscribe to Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube or all three. You can also come to the website modernmindgroup.com where you can subscribe there, stay in contact and let us know what you really think. Give us the feedback. This is going to get better by knowing what you think. Uh, Has this given you food for thought? Has it helped you change something? What has it inspired? Let us know because that's why we're doing it. It's all about the people, people, people. (laughs) Have a great day and ciao for now.